You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Well, good morning. Turning our scriptures uh, again to the book of Luke, so head there with me. As we look kind of at the, you know, it's series on the life of John the Baptist. It's more about his parents, isn't it, in some ways, but he's he's here and, and a the preparation before Jesus, but uh, Luke chapter one verse eighteen is where we're gonna where we're gonna start reading from. We'll read through twenty five today. On your way there, let's look at a picture from Jax from last week. I don't know if I've gotten a picture from Jax before. I may have, but Jax drew. Can you see it? It's a little faint, but you can see it there. Um, I believe this is the temple here where we found Zachariah last week, and we left him there last week. And a lot of good drawings from the kids. But thank you, Jax, for this one. And Zachariah here at this, this altar, burning the incense, praying, and the answer to his prayers. And then we have verse 18. So let's kind of rejoin. We're back in the temple. We're at this altar. The angel has just spoken these words to Zechariah, And now Zechariah responds to the angel and says, Verse 18, Luke chapter 1. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived And for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Let's pray once again as we look into God's word. Lord, again, we just ask and we seek you as we look into this portion of your holy scripture. Your inspired words meant to teach us, correct us, train us. Equip us to know Jesus and to walk with You and to follow You all the days of our life into eternity. The rescue plan is here in Christ. Your words are here. Your promises are here. You are here in Your Word. And I pray that we would hear from You today in each of our hearts. And we ask this, that Your work of the Spirit would work through this time. In Jesus' name, Amen. How shall I know this? How will I know? That's the question on the lips of Zechariah, and I wonder if it's not on your lips at various times in your life, or perhaps even today. My sin looks impossible to be forgiven. How will I know I'm forgiven? Or this situation looks impossible to get out of. How will I know it will end? Or that the silence of God seems so loud, 
How do I know He is there? Or God's promises. They're so grand. This Emmanuel, this God with us, how can He be with me, a sinner? How can He love even me? Today I want to take us and take, have us take heart and believe on the very words and promises of God that we find in His Word. And when it seems that God is silent to rest there in His gracious, at times, His gracious reproof and His perfect timing in the midst of our disbelief at times. And so we're going to look at at Zechariah, who has just heard from this angel that he's going to have a son and he's to name him John and there's going to be joy and there's going to be rejoicing and he'll be great and all these things. And now Zechariah is responding to this. That's where we left him last week at this altar. We're back there again. Again, my, my proposition was that Zechariah very likely was maybe praying for a son. I don't know if he had said, you know, that time has passed. We're old. I'm not praying anymore for that, or these are prayers that God is answering from the past. But there's also, I think we pr- I propose that God is actually, or Zechariah here is praying for the people of Israel. There's actually more than just praying for a son. There's prayers for Israel. And God is answering both here from this angel. And then we see back to verse 18 as we now look into our text, Zechariah responds. Look again at his response. Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? There's that There's the question. For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. This is the first thing out of his mouth. It's just it's a question. How do I know? And if you're familiar with this chapter in Luke, and we were looking at this some the the later section here at prayer meeting this past week, you may have already been thinking this sounds like Mary's question, because Mary asks a question when she's given news from an angel. In fact, it's the same angel that tells her she's going to conceive and she'll bear a son and he's to be the son of the Most High and he'll have an eternal throne, a kingdom with no end. And just gaze over at verse 34, the same chapter you're in, and here's Mary. And Mary said to the angel after this was pronounced, how will this be since I am a virgin? And we're going, okay, Zachariah's asking, Mary's asking, how do we... How do we look at these? If you compare, they they seem like similar questions here, but there's a difference, I believe, in them. The difference is that of belief. Mary believes, but I think she's left wondering, just, I mean, I believe, how is it that a virgin can conceive? Zechariah, though, on the other hand, he wants to, and you see the wording there, at least in the ESV, I know. How shall I know this? How do I know? And I, I think... Here we can say Zechariah is desiring a sign. He wants a sign to confirm the message of God. Like, how am I going to know? It's a question of doubt rather than belief. And the contrast here in Luke between the two, I think it's intentional, it's sharp. Here's the young Virgin Mary. We, don't, we discussed how old she was, maybe 13, 14, maybe older, I don't know. Somewhere in there. She, she believes and asks, Whereas the aged priest here who's standing in the very temple at this altar of incense says, how do I know this? And there's doubt as to the words of this angel. You think about Zechariah, there is some application here because do you remember what we're told of Zechariah? Both he and Elizabeth, they're righteous. 
They're blameless before the Lord. I don't think, and, and this is from other commentators, I don't think this means they're, they're sinless, but they're faithful. Their, their walk demonstrated their love for the Lord. They're righteous. They're blameless. But even here, a righteous and blameless man suffers from disbelief. In some ways, that's comforting. We don't want to stay there. We don't want to be there. He will, Zechariah will be dealt with for this unbelief. But think on that a moment. Here's what John Calvin says. A little bit longer quote, but I want to read it to you. I think it's worth reading. He says, Thus it will sometimes happen that one who trusts in God for the pardon of his sins and for salvation will waver on some point, will be too much alarmed by the dread of death, too solicitous about daily food, or too anxious about his plans. Such was the unbelief of Zach, he calls him Zacharias or Zechariah. For while he held the root and foundation of faith, he hesitated only on one point, whether God would give to him a son. So Calvin says further on, he was cunningly drawn by the craft and wiles of Satan to draw a wicked distinction. It's all the more necessary for us to keep diligent watch For which of us shall be secure against the snares of the devil when we learn that a man so eminently holy who had all his life maintained strict watchfulness over himself was overtaken by them? In many ways, it's the question of Satan going back to the garden. The the root of all of our doubt is this, did God really say? Can you trust and believe God's word? But God here, even in this moment of doubt, is not, He's not done with Zechariah. Not by any means. He's not done with His own, even when His own suffer disbelief. Zechariah, as we've read already, he's going to be disciplined. But I hope you see, even in the discipline for, of his doubt and disbelief, God is graciously at work, even in this, as a loving father bringing back his doubtful sheep back to him. So look further. Let's go to verse 19. And here now the angel takes Zechariah, takes it out, and here's the angel's answer in verse 19. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Where does the angel take Zechariah? Back to God's Word. Gabriel begins to explain just, just where he got this promise. Gabriel stands in the very presence of God. And he's sent on a mission from God to speak, to bring this good news from the presence of God to Zechariah. In fact, the word angel means messenger. So he is messaging the words of God to Zechariah. And I wonder, when he said, I am Gabriel, and the the Greek here is emphatic, it's I, I am Gabriel. It's kind of, it's kind of to counter Zechariah has, has emphatically said, I, I am an old man. Like, he's, it's emphatic. I am old. Like, there, you don't see that here in the English so much, but it's, I am old. And then it's, no, I am Gabriel. And I wonder, we think Zechariah would know, I wonder what he thought of when he heard the name, I am Gabriel. I think Zechariah knew his scripture, and if you do, you know, a quick, Bible search, whatever, where's Gabriel come up? It come, he comes up really in two chapters in the Bible. It's Daniel 8 and 9. And we're not going to go there. You can, you can look this up. 
but he's seen in these two chapters of the Bible. And just I want to just briefly tell you about these chapters. Because in them, Gabriel shows up, and he shows up in the midst of visions. Remember some of the visions of Daniel? And he shows up in the midst of prayer. And he's, this angel, Gabriel, is to give Daniel, at this point, back in the book of Daniel, insight into what he's seen. And then in chapter 9, Daniel's praying, he's confessing sin, and then Gabriel shows up in, the, in response to Daniel praying. Okay, that's Daniel 8 and 9. Gabriel, you can look it up, read him. Fast forward now. Remember where we are at. We're in the, we're in the temple. We're at that altar of incense where the prayers, this incense, we talked about the praying of last week is going up. And here is Gabriel again. Now what? With a vision. There's a vision that includes the turning back of the children of Israel to their God. He will turn back many, the son of Zechariah, and this news that a son would be born to this couple in their old age who is barren. That's who's before Zechariah. Gabriel stands. This is Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, sent to speak. You have it there in the, that's the last few words in the ESV of verse 19, to bring you this good news. Good news. Where does this new, good news come from? It comes from God. God's Word is the source. So, consider the source. Almost this is the, where does this all coming from, Zechariah? How do you know? And, and there's, there's grace even in that the angel answers him here. To say this is from the Word of God. This is promises. This is where this comes from. Consider the source. In our day, in the midst of news and different media, we do well to consider the source, right? And not, not believe everything you hear. We're, we're almost trained, especially in these days, to there's a sense of doubt and a sense of not trusting the sources and and that's good not everything we hear is true not so with god everything god speaks is reality and truth and promises and we take those at what god has said his news his good news this isn't good news that maybe in a month it will be found out it's not such good news or it will be uncovered or anything else that we've seen, even the news of the past week. God's good news is rock-solid good news. We can lean on it. It's unchanging. It is just that good news. So I think first the angel is answering Zechariah's doubt here. Consider the source. Trust the source of this news. My words come from God. Trust God's Word. But then in verse 20, the We'll call it the gracious discipline. God disciplines those He loves, but its discipline comes for disbelief. Look at now verse 20. And the angel goes on, Gabriel, to say, And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe My words, which will be fulfilled in their time. After all of this, Zechariah all that's what's going on, he's, he's made to be silent. He's unable to speak. And, and I would also say here he's unable to hear. We get that from verse 62 where later on in the birth of John, people communicate with Zechariah with signs. Meaning, I think there we can draw the conclusion he couldn't say anything, he couldn't hear anything. In the midst of all our 
music and media and everything else, silence, we, we, we don't often sit in just complete silence, but can you imagine in Zachariah's life just everything went Silence is attention getting. They would tell me in seminary training, preaching, just be quiet. And people go, wait, wait the, the sound stopped. It's attention getting. That's what happens to Zechariah. I want to bring out just a couple things from, from verse 20, a couple acts, aspects of this discipline here. One is the doubt and disbelief. Look at that in Zechariah. And then the other is God's, God's grace here. Zechariah doubts in a way that he's held to account for not believing the words of Gabriel here, which are really, really the words of God. So Zechariah's doubt, he's held to account. The, the situation to Zechariah, it looked impossible. But if God is all-powerful, then his word can be trusted even when it looks impossible. And that's the point because in this impossible situation of Zechariah, who is old, and Elizabeth, who is old, and who is barren, an impossible situation is she would have a son. The angel uses that now, just gaze over verses 36 and 37, where the angel's speaking to, to Mary about this happening to Mary, who is a virgin. And behold, it says in there about her relative Elizabeth, old age, has conceived a son, who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. This very instance is used to encourage Mary along to say, yeah, it looks impossible. It is, but not with God. So Zechariah is found doubting, I think as Calvin talked about, really the, the power of God to do this, his word, but his power, I think, within this. But there's also here, if we see it, I think there is a gracious sign going on here. Zechariah is given this sign of silence. He's mute, he's deaf, there's, he's quiet, but I, I think within this we could say there's also grace here. Um, Leon Morris comments this way, think of this, got the sign. At first glance we say, yeah, he, he doubted, so he became mute. That was, the, that was the, the punishment or the discipline, and that's right. And yet, is it not a sign? Here's what Leon Morris, he says, Zechariah would get his sign all right. If he was saying, how do I know this, I want a sign, it came. And, and it came by muteness, and he couldn't hear anything. Silence was the sign. And Morris says it's not the kind of sign he wanted. Hopefully we see that here. He got a sign. He was disciplined for disbelief. He's, he's unable to share this good news now. And I think now that he can't, can't speak and he can't hear, he's going, okay, the sign, it is true. He knows, but he can't say anything, even to those gathered outside. But I think it's a grace in these nine months, the grace of silence in Zechariah's life as a sign. God, even in His grace, sends a sign to Zechariah. And there was time maybe for Zechariah to just ponder quietly in his thoughts, what is happening? My wife's going to have a child and we, we, we've prayed forever. This child's going to be great. People are going to be turning and just... God's grace used that time of silence, I think, to build up Zechariah's faith. Well, that's inside the temple. The text brings us back outside. People outside are wondering. 
This is an interesting word. We'll look at it. But they're wondering what is taking Zechariah so long. Look now at verse 21. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. From what I read, the priest was not expected. This was not a long prayer meeting for the priest inside the temple. This was, I don't know, relatively short. I don't have times on it, but relatively short. And then the priest would come back out. And so there's good reason why this is, Luke's helping us here. They were waiting and they were wondering. This word wondering is unique. Um, even though Zechariah, he would, even though Zechariah would come out of this temple and he's not going to be able to speak and he can't hear, can't speak to the people, I would submit that even here in silence, God was at work going before Zechariah because the people are already wondering about what's going on. And that word for wondering here can mean to marvel or to wonder or to be amazed. Now, this wonder and marveling, it's going to reach a climax, at least in the life of Zechariah, when we get to verse 63, and Zechariah writes down on the tab, his name is John, and the people are going to wonder. They all, it says there in verse what is, yeah, 63, they all wondered. It's the same, same root word. But the wonder, the marvel, amazement, it doesn't end with this, this wondering outside the temple and then the wondering at Zechariah. It keeps going through Luke. I think it's seven or eight times you find the same Greek word through just the book of Luke here. There's wondering going on. Uh, the last one comes in Luke 24. The disciples are gathered around. Suddenly Jesus is among them after his resurrection. They're startled and he says, it is I myself, touch my hands, feet. And verse 41 says, and while they disbelieved for joy and were marveling, that's the same, they were wondering, they were, they were marveling. Here he said to them, Jesus, have you anything here to eat? So even at the end of Luke, there's this marveling, there's this wonder. God's entrance of the gospel in the fullness of time comes with wonder and marveling and amazement. And here, in the smallest way, I don't know that everybody's got the wondering people outside waiting for Zechariah. I have all this in mind, but there is wonderment going on. Now, something interesting while, just while we're on the subject of wonder. Dick and Bonnie read of the wonderful counselor. Do you remember Manoah, Samson's father? Also, that God gave the son to them. And in Judges 13, Manoah asks the name of this angel, and he, he says this, he says, I want to know your name, this angel of the Lord that was proclaiming these things to him, so that when your words come true, we, uh, we may honor you. And the angel answers Manoah here, why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? Remember us looking at that in Judges 13? If you look up in the, this can get technical, so I won't go there, but in, there's a Greek translation of the Old Testament. Old Testament written in Hebrew, but translated into the Greek. If you look in the Greek and you go back to the Old Testament and you look at Judges and you look at 13 and you look at this account, lo and behold, it's the same word. This wonderful one and the wonderment of Luke is going on here. God truly is a God of wonders. And He's wonderful. We see in the Old Testament, He's wonderful from creation to the flood, 
to the calling of Abraham, to things in between, to, to bringing Israel out of Egypt, to victory in Canaan, and then to this wonderful, steadfast love and mercy throughout history. Psalm 9.1 speaks of this God of wonder. I looked it up. Is this the same wonder? It is. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will uh, recount all your wonderful deeds. When God is at work, wonder goes before Him. Wonder goes before our God. And before Zechariah even comes out of the temple, the people are wondering. Something's different. Something's going on. Just a, a side note. Asking about your own wonder meter. You have a wonder meter? I'm in wonder. I'm amazement. I'm, I'm not very... I'm not wondering. What if you have a broken wonder meter? Maybe God doesn't seem all that wonderful lately. Doesn't seem all that amazing. Or you lack a marveling at God as we've read about here in the text. I want to come back just to two things just from our passage here. One is to pray that God would show you His wonder. Read His Word. Lord, show me how wonderful, how marvelous, how amazing You are. To just ask our Heavenly Father to pray. That's why last week we talked about preparing to pray. Lord, show me Your wonder. And ask a gracious Father who loves to answer His children when they call. And then watch in belief and faith. Look around. Look around with eyes of faith to see that the same God of wonders is at work. And sometimes He's at work in the very silence that looks like His absence. He is doing a wonderful work, and He will in the silence of Zechariah. That's who our God is. Well, back on our text, according to Zechariah's duties, as we think back to Zechariah, now let's see him coming towards the entrance of the temple. The people outside have been praying, and now they're wondering, and you know what's taking so long for Zechariah. It would have been expected that as he came out of the temple, on the steps of that temple, that he would have uh, proclaimed there a blessing. At least I'm, I'm relatively confident it's it's that priest with the incense that was burning that would come out and announce a blessing over the people and you can see right away when he comes out so let's look at verse 22 what happened and when he came out he was unable to speak to them and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute so where Zechariah, I think, should sound the benediction, there was silence. But, but again, even here in the silence, God is sending messages. God rules over sound and stillness. God speaks and there is wonder. God withholds sound. And there's wonder. He's seen a vision. And God is over all. And you think of Zechariah, if any time he wanted to have a voice to go out and say, can you believe it? Elizabeth and I, we're going to have a child and his name's going to be John and this is going to take place and the excitement to share with everybody there and he can't. He's mute. He can't say a thing. And it says he tried, uh, kept making signs. I don't know what that all meant, but some sort of signs to say here's what happened. 
he couldn't express that joy. We love to express that joy. When something good happens, we just want to tell people. That's why I think it's C.S. Lewis talks about it. That's why we praise the Lord. We just praise just as a natural. It just comes out of this joy. We want to praise. We want to tell. Zechariah would be silent. Well, verse 23 says he finished his time, which, you know, again, I don't know how long he had left. He finishes his time and he heads home. And the text takes us really then after these days. Look at verse 24 and 25 as we're going to come to the end of the text. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Here, the barren one of verse 7 is now the one conceiving a child by verse 24. And she recognizes the Lord has done this for her. He has, as Mary's going to say in her, in her song uh, later on in verse 48, he's looked on the humble estate of his servant. God has looked on her. And one question might arise that arose at our prayer meeting. Why the hiding for five months? Why was she hidden here for five months? Why did she keep herself hidden? I want to propose, I think it was a way of waiting, as some do, waiting to announce the pregnancy. They want to wait. Perhaps Elizabeth was apprehensive just to tell the people that she was pregnant and with child. Maybe, maybe she feared them mocking her or in disbelief, just like her husband had disbelieved the angel. Like, oh yeah, great, Elizabeth. I'm sure that will happen. Maybe she expected that and was, and was silent. She wanted to... I think at the end of five months, perhaps go out and go, we're having a baby and the sign is here and I'm pregnant. And she would bear reproach no longer. By the way, the next team, that's kind of where our, our count of Elizabeth ends and we pick up her life. Guess what? The next time we encounter Elizabeth is when Mary pregnant with Jesus, comes to her house, enters the house, and John leaps in her womb. We wondered, we wondered Wednesday night, maybe, was Elizabeth here? Was Mary the first one Elizabeth told this good news to? I'm not sure, but, but we find Mary, the next person we find with Elizabeth here. From our account, in between those two is the pronouncement to Mary. So we, we, it transitions, the text transitions from old Zechariah to young Mary. Old priest, male priest to young female. From, from one John the Baptist who will be great before the Lord to one who will reign forever. Even in his birth, could we not see John is preparing the way towards Jesus. That's his mission. That we not come away... We want to look at John's life, think about his parents, think about this text, but it's all preparation leading towards the Son of the Most High, the one who will reign on the throne of David forever, whose kingdom will never end, Jesus Christ. That's who John prepares for. So last week, think about the Christmas season, prepare by prayer, to be praying Hope you've had some time of prayer with the Lord this week. Today, just say prepare in faith. To prepare 
in belief. There's a song I learned as a kid at Bible camp, and I still remember it because I think songs you learn as a kid, you just remember. Uh, some are silly. This one was just good, and it, I won't sing it to you. I think I've sung it before or said it before to you, but it goes like this about faith. Faith is just believing what God says He will do. No matter what the circumstance, His promises are true. So when your life is hard and you're not sure what you should do, it's best to take God at His word. That's the call for today, to take God at His word, to believe His words and promises. It's a word that says sin in our hearts is real. And we deserve eternal punishment. And it says God is holy. And it's also a word we saw in Colossians, but it's a word that speaks of God's love towards sinners. You say, how can I know? How can I know God loves sinners like me? Because He sent His Son. We celebrate Him at Christmas, the baby in the manger, who would, as Brandon spoke about in his prayer, who would come and who would die. And God demonstrates His love. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us to save His people from their sins. So I just encourage you to take God at His word. And also, in thinking about faith and belief, to wait by faith in the silence and hear the Lord in the loud quiet. I want you to take heart in what seems to be the silence of God. God would use silence here in the life of Zechariah to confirm His promise. And I just want to encourage you, borrow a Piper phrase, don't waste, don't waste your silence. Don't waste times where it seems there's no movement and God is silent. The Bible shows us, shows us today, there's a God who works wonders in the storms, in the loud storms, and He works in the muteness of an old man like Zechariah. And may we wonder at and believe a God who is at work both when it's silent and just wait on the Lord and grow in our faith to trust Him in the silence of unanswered prayer, or whatever it may be, and trust Him when we, when we hear and look to His Word. So prepare this Christmas. Prepare by prayer. Prepare in faith. Believe all of what Jesus, His first coming, means and the forgiveness of sins and the plan. And then looking beyond to that next advent, to His coming. We all might disagree on the charts and the times and the ways and the millennium and all those sorts of words in there, but we can. He is coming. And look by faith and wait for His coming. Yes, He came and He's coming again. He says in John 14, I will come again to take you to Myself that where I am, you may be also. Let's pray. Lord, what good news today that You have sent Your Spirit and given Your Spirit to be, uh, to be with us as we live here amidst a sinful and cursed world. And we deal with our own sin and the sins of those around us. And we thank You for Your grace upon us and Your grace in Jesus Christ and Your grace in the Spirit who is with us, who dwells in us. 
And we thank you for the hope of your coming again. That we can look forward to this where there will be no more tears and weeping. And there will be joy and gladness in your presence forever. Lord, where, where we have doubted your word and where we have doubted you and your perfect plan, forgive us. Would you grow our faith, Lord? As you graciously grew Zachariah's faith, help us to see, even in silence, how you're growing us. Even in things that we didn't ask for, and yet you, as a good and loving and gracious Father, give us that our faith might grow. May you lead us along. May we see your leading by faith, trusting you. We ask this in your name. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.